now changed what I say to people when you pass them, or just like on a walk or whatever. When it's like you, you have to acknowledge each other mm-hmm. somehow more than that. Yeah. More than that. Yeah. And I used to be like, "Hey, how's it going?" But then people feel like they have to answer, and yeah. I don't care what yeah. they have to say. Yeah. I've now changed it to like howdy. That's what I say. That's my go-to. Like, howdy, howdy. If they ask me or, something, or then more they're going to be awkward. Yeah. Yeah. But I give them the space to not answer. Stay yeah. away from that. I just tried not to talk to people. Sure. Do you feel like you have to make eye contact with somebody when you're running? Uh, so or wave or I um so my my nature is not to talk to people, yeah. but I force myself to talk to people. Sure. So I always say hello to people I see on the street, mm-hmm. especially when I'm running. Or I'll, at least if I'm really hauling ass and I can't really speak, left. I'll I'll smile at them, mm-hmm. and they typically don't smile back. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll just go fuck myself. It's fine. Uh, and then I'll smile again to the next person, and maybe I get a wave back. Maybe not. You know, you're just out there spreading joy. That's what I do. One thing I that do. I definitely have—I don't know if it was after I became a parent, but it's like <laughs> I've grown in this habit—is when I run and walk, I wave at every car. You wave at cars. Well, the the person driving the car. For me, it's mostly a. I just want to make sure we you see me. That's a good. Yeah, that's a just good. like as they're coming, like, or whatever. Yeah, because a lot of the times, like, they'll, you know, even just kind of the hand on the steering wheel. To me, that's just like I just need to know you know that I'm here, or mm-hmm. if I'm like dragging two kids in a wagon or whatever. But now it's like if I'm on a run, like I can get out of the way. That's what they. they I mean, they, that's heavy equipment. One hundred and one is when you're on the ground. You always want to make sure that you make very deliberate eye contact with the operator and even motion to the operator and they motion back. Okay, good. He sees me. Now I can go around the mm-hmm. truck or whatever it is. I feel like I, that's like the simplest way to do that. It's just like, we need to like yeah. confirm we see each other. Yeah. But it's, it's easier said than done because you get complacent. You get working hard. It's hot out there. You've been sweating your ass off for six hours. You're exhausted. You start to not think about that as much. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so critical because you get in these machines and you realize, man, you really cannot see a single thing out of some of these, like a dozer or a big haul yeah. truck. Visibility is terrible. Um, obviously there have been like s- some accidents. That's just kind of part of the thing. Is the fault typically ever assigned to the driver? If like somebody is either like hit by a machine or something like that. So there's very rarely like, fault assigned Uh but yeah if you're running a piece of equipment it's everything within the realm of that machine is your responsibility it's a big it's a big deal everybody wants to go run a machine but there's a lot of responsibility associated with that not just how productive can you be yeah but for production is a responsibility that they're they're expecting a a certain production out of that machine Mm because that's you're very expensive the machines are expensive you need to be safe. You can't screw things up and cause rework. There's a lot of responsibility on every equipment operator mm-hmm. um, that you don't truly appreciate until you start running equipment. And you're like, oh, well, okay, yeah. Or, or even causing damage. I know that's a big thing, like backing over um, like cutoff saws, for example, or backing over small tools. That's so common. Yeah, I was going to say that probably happens all the time. All the time. And a saw like that it could be a grand. So that that adds not, up. Yeah, yeah, it's not free. You get backing up over thousand dollar pieces of equipment. Yeah, it's it's that's expensive. Well, and even, I mean, you're just like running over grade stakes and stuff. Even that's obviously a lot cheaper, but like the work to get all those set in the first place is not free, right? No, definitely not. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it's so 
It is so disheartening. <laughs> if you're the guy who put them out there. <laughs> yeah, dude. Because I've been the guy working with the grade checker pounding hubs. Mm-hmm. And so when you're pounding hubs, you're you're basically showing where the finished subgrade is for a road, for yeah. example. And then the blade hand comes through and just knocks them all out right behind you. You're sitting there and it's 115 degrees, just like, bro, bro. <laughs> and now that hubs are not uh, as common anymore with the technology yeah. we have, but uh, yeah, everything takes work. And I think it all comes back to just having an attitude of extreme ownership. Everything's your responsibility. If you approach it like that, everything's my problem. Everything's my responsibility in a positive way, you're going to be so valuable. Going back to what we've talked about over the past few weeks, how to increase your value. Mm -hmm. That's how you increase your value, by taking responsibility for everything. The guys that are like, "Ah, that's not my job. I'm an operator. I'm not a laborer. I don't use a shovel. Those are the guys that are not valuable in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't matter how good of an operator you are. I talk to a lot of people that employ a lot of people. They're going to hire the guy with a good attitude that takes responsibility over the world-class performer. Yeah. At least they say they will, and most of them do. Sometimes it's not that way. And it's not to understate the value of experience, but let me tell you, owning everything within your world, it goes so far. You you brought up uh, like that ownership and responsibility in a positive way. How would you describe having that attitude or that feeling like everything is my responsibility in my little realm? What's like the negative version of that to you? Just allowing it to overwhelm you. And it's a, it's a dichotomy. That's why Jocko wrote Dichotomy of Leadership, yeah. because you can take too much ownership at the same time. So you have to accept ownership of everything, but at the same time, there are circumstances in which you can take too much ownership. And so like an example of that is, you know, if, if your job is to lay pipe, you also don't need to be yelling at the truck drivers on the other side of the job site because they're doing something stupid over there. As it, is that really your responsibility? Is that really the world in which you need to own? You need to focus on what's, what is your task and go beyond that. And maybe the truck driver is doing something unsafe and maybe you do need to step in. But at the same time, you know, let the foreman do that. Let the superintendent do that. Let the grading foreman do that. Mm-hmm. That's on a different crew that doesn't have anything to do with you. So it's, it's, it's keeping it still within reason because you can still go too far outside of that. I feel like there's also probably a part of that where if, you know, if you're practicing that like extreme ownership in a more negative way, probably makes it a lot harder to collaborate with you. Yeah. Right. I mean, if, if you're like taking this ownership of like all the things in your little world at work or in your life or whatever, however you think about it, if you are taking like so much ownership and being like, no, these are my things that are in my control. I'm sure at some point it's like, yeah, I don't want to work with you because you're not open to anybody else bringing their things that they own into your circle. Yeah. Well, and you can misconstrue it too, uh, as far as like micromanagement is concerned. Mm-hmm. You, I, I need to take extreme ownership. I just need to do everything to make sure it's done right. Yeah. I see that all the time with foremen, especially all the time. And it's not their fault. They just haven't learned how to lead. They're really good at laying pipe. They're really good at grading. They're really good at building stuff. They're promoted to foremen. That's a different skill set than building stuff. I understand the value of a working foreman. I know that's part of it. But then at the same time, I'll see a foreman that's always working. And it's like, okay, so if you're always working, you're not spending any time looking at the big picture, Mm -hmm. thinking about what's down the road, thinking about what's next week, what's next month, what what the superintendent needs, what the other crews need, what the PM needs. You're not thinking about what's going on big picture. You're so focused on getting the job done. 
Yeah. That, that's that's it. No, that's definitely a, a challenge. Do you feel like in order for you to continue to grow the business and delegate in those ways, do you feel like you've had, had to be really intentional about the that principle of extreme ownership from just from your perspective? Yeah. You're, I mean, you're let, obviously, obviously you're letting go of more and more things every day. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 every day because there's in theory a business is either growing or regressing. But in theory, your business is growing. If things are growing, if you're growing as an individual, it's always changing. Mm-hmm. It's always it's in a constant state of change. And even if you're not growing, the world is growing with 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 or without you. Things are changing around you. So it's still a constant state of change. So it's yeah, it's it's it varies day by day. Mm-hmm. But it's a very consistent principle that applies to not just work, but personal life, any kind of relationship whatsoever. Yeah. Is there anything that you feel like in hindsight, you say to yourself, I should have let it go that two months ago if, from like a leadership, like running the business standpoint? All the time. I just had just a, every day. <laughs> yeah, I was just in a leadership call today. I'm like, guys, I've been stressing about this for a year. I'm done stressing about it because I don't need to stress about it. I need your guys' help. I need you guys to help me out here. That's what I should have done day one. Yeah. But it's like, I'm an idiot. I have put the burden on myself to make this happen. It's been very ineffective as a result. I get more stressed out about it as a result. And then I had to sit there and say, what the hell am I doing? Why don't I ask for help? Why don't I lean on the, lean on the other leaders we have here? Because they're the ones that actually manage and lead the people that I need to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so let them figure it out. Let them work it out. And, and it's getting worked out already. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, I should have done this a year ago, but here we are. Obviously, from a personal personal perspective, you're kind of having to maybe it's eat crow a little bit or just like reevaluate yourself and say, like you said, I should have done that a long time ago. But there's also something really freeing when you do that. I should have done that a long time ago. Like, obviously, you can be frustrated, but also like, I'm glad I'm doing this now. Like, I I see why I should have done it a long time ago. But like, I, I can't think what the exact quote is. Maybe it's the, the the tree quote where it's like the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago and the second best time is right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's that same sort of thing. It's like, yeah, I should have either delegated this problem or um, elevated this to the right person who like this is what they do is solve this problem here at, at our work or my family or whatever. But if I hadn't if I didn't do it, then the next time the next best time to do it would be right now. Like I'm, I'm coming to terms with like that issue. And so I, I think um, I know for me. I've been thinking a lot about the extreme ownership thing because like I, I think I've spent too much of, of my time kind of in the weeds per se. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm i like right in the thick of, I should have asked for help on that two months ago. Yeah. And then of course, like now that I've done it, it's like, yeah, of course this was the right call. But like I needed to suffer <laughs> in order to really see why. Sure. Yeah, I think the podcast is a great example. Yeah. And I think I've been too far into the weeds as well. I need to step back and not stress about it because I need to show up here, do a great job, hopefully say something compelling. <laughs> I, it's it's rare, but I try to at, at least strive to say something yeah. compelling. But at the same time, need to just strategy is strategy. Everything else beyond that, that's not my world anymore. Mm-hmm. I have to go elsewhere. I have to focus over here. I need to look over there. There's a lot of other things I need to focus on. And it's not even like like the whole delegation thing. I feel like people make it into something... It's like, yeah, I'm the boss now, so I need to delegate. And it's not really that. It's just I've learned it's allowing the people who are best suited for the task do the task yeah. and getting you out of, the, out of the way and really defining, okay, how am I most valuable to this organization? How do I do more of that? What am I doing that doesn't contribute to that? 
And who are the people that can do that stuff that I shouldn't be doing way more effectively than I could be doing? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I could try editing the podcast, but this guy way more effective than this guy. He knows exactly what he's doing with that. Yeah. Harrison is who he's pointing to. Yes. Yeah. I'm pointing Harrison (laughs) in the the corner. And it's, it's not that it's like, it's not my job or it's, it's, it's not that it's, he's just far, he'll always be better at that than I will. Yeah. So I'm going to let him do that. (laughs) And I'm not going to think twice about it. Mm -hmm. And it's, we're, we both win as a result. Yeah. And I I said delegation and I, I, I'm definitely closer to the school of thought of what you're talking about here than like, I need to make sure people have stuff to do. So I need to be telling people what they should do. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly not from that perspective in my life. And this is not even specific to build with is I think there has been a part of my identity that says, well, I'm, I can be okay to competent at a lot of different things. And maybe that's, maybe that's my value. I think what's been a challenge is kind of coming to grips with, I don't need to do all these different things I've been doing at just like a competent level. If there's ways to unload those things to people who do those things at elite levels. Yeah. And everybody wins as a result. Yeah. That's the thing. And, and, and so I, I think there's certainly been a, a good bit of like maturing that comes with that like perspective shift. Um, and I don't know that I would have done that if I hadn't been like really intentional about thinking about those things. And we're, we're moving into a different phase of our company. The, the first six months of this year was just increased capacity. We did that both the same goal, increased capacity and pr- increase output. Yep. We, we did that in the first six months of the year by increasing headcount. Mm-hmm. By just adding additional human capital, you increase capacity. The The problem is going into the next six months, we need to shake out everything that happened in, in, in the beginning of the year before yeah. we just continue to add more capacity. So what we need to do is we still need to increase output. How do you do that without increasing capacity? You make your current, your current uh, assets, your current human capital more effective. How do you do that? You, you get people where they need to be. Yeah. And you look at, you assess what you have, and you make sure everybody is moving in the right direction, not swimming upstream. And you start to do more of that. We've done actually quite a few of those changes recently where we've moved people from one side of our company to a whole other side of the company that just more effectively, like, it, it just more effectively utilizes their skills, their gifts, their abilities, and it also increases the output for the business. Yeah. So it's a win-win for both parties. Uh, and so that's what we're focused on in the next six months is how do we develop 3x people, one of our values. How do we get the most out of our existing human capital? We might add a little here or there, but it's really focused on how do we get the most out of our current human capital. Mm-hmm. Looking at companies in the dirt world, contractors, et cetera, why would that approach be so challenging? You have the, the old school mindset where you, you climb the ladder. And so you go from this position to this position to this position. You just have less positions. There's less movement less places to go yeah there's less yeah. places to go um there's the time component you, there's there's a certain level of experience necessary to be productive and safe and so on and so forth um i don't know if there's a good reason for it but there's obviously reasons for it, it but also probably a greater and greater need as we talk about developing teams and and, and training those teams i just uh, so so the conversation everybody knows people are hard to get right now yeah so to to again to go create the infrastructure we need we need to we need to increase output so we can add people but we're struggling to attract the next generation and I think we can do that but that's not going to solve the problem today yeah 
So what's going to solve the problem today is making our current workforce, our current, our, our current resources more effective. I think everybody just automatically assumes, oh, technology is the way to do that. Y- yeah. Uh, technology is a way yeah, to do a way. A like part that. of part of the way. Uh, equipment is part of the way, but culture is also a big part of the way. Investing in people effect, like there's there's a lot of things on the table that you can do to make people more effective that I don't think companies now are taking advantage of. And we've spent a lot of time focusing on those things because we don't have the distraction of equipment and materials mm-hmm. and everything construction companies do have. We don't have that. So we've been able to just go all in on people. And I think if companies went all in on people, like they do all in on technology, all in on equipment, they would largely solve their problem with the current workforce they have. And mm-hmm. I know this is a production-based business. So there are certain constraints. You do have just X amount of man hours creates X amount of work. But at the same time, I think the industry needs to challenge itself. Okay, great. Historically speaking, X amount of man hours has created X amount of work. But is there a way we can do that more effectively? Are our leaders in the field as effective as possible? Do they have the right amount of information? Are they empowered to make decisions? Or, you know, I think there's a lot of, do they know why they're showing up to work every day beyond just money? I think there's a lot of things we can ask ourselves and we can start improving upon that don't actually cost money that would make everybody more effective. And people want to be more effective. I want to be more effective at my job. That makes me more fulfilled. So the person wins and then the company can make more money. I don't see why companies can't be more profitable. Mm -hmm. Companies, construction companies need to be more profitable. Yeah. It's not, it's not a nice to have. We need to become more profitable as an industry. Mm-hmm. We do that by making our people more effective. Technology is only going to do so much. Equipment's only going to do so much. But the people thing, there's so much potential there that just hasn't been fully utilized, I don't think. I think that's the, the interesting um, through line between how you know, we're going to continue to build what we're building here at BuildWit, which is obviously we're not, we're not moving dirt no. as BuildWit, but like we support companies who do that. But it's it's interesting to talk about how do we affect the like effectiveness that affects the output because that's the same in, in both of these scenarios. Obviously, with with BuildWit, it's you know how do we either get these people in the right places and kind of help them develop so that they're able to produce at you know even even higher level, and that obviously helps the whole company. And then the same thing with talking about contractors, it's like you know. Obviously, like you said, there's less roles, but it's still how do how do these companies help their workforces be more effective, and in turn that produces more. And so to me, like that's kind of the same thing. And I'm and I'm not just speaking uh, on behalf of BuildWit. I'm looking at contractors like Hoopa, who we've had on the podcast that have said, yeah, hey, it wasn't as much fun to work here, and so we said, why don't we take extreme ownership and fix this? Mm-hmm. They fixed it in a few years. They're rocking and rolling right now, man, rocking and rolling. Everybody wins. And it's they been spend a done. Lot of, they spend a lot of brain brain hours not even talking about the money, just like brain power on how do we like develop our own people that we already have. Yeah. And it started at the top. Yeah. Started started at the top. But they did it. It's mm-hmm. it's been done. We see these contractors where it's been done. It's doable. We just need to do it on an industry wide level. Because even if one contractor figures it out, if all the other contractors in the market still haven't figured it out, it drives the entire market down. Mm-hmm. A rising tide lifts all boats. We all need to think as a team. And I'm going to keep harping on that because we're all on the same team. If you're moving dirt, you're on the same team as all the other guys on every other, on every fucking bid, bid list. Yep. Every single bid list. 
You're all on a team. You're all best off treating each other like team members, not just adversaries that you need to kill because that's why we're here. Part of it. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, uh, I've got a two-part question okay. from uh, Rob. Rob says, have you seen slash heard any change from your partners or companies you meet with? And are they anticipating major adjustments as the talk of recession starts to become more prevalent? That's part one. Um, so everybody right now is a little spooked. Everybody is dialing, spending back, holding on to their cash. So everybody has a lot of cash. Everybody's coming off of what was probably a record year last year. Mm-hmm. So everybody, everybody kicked ass. There was just crazy growth. 2020, 2021, especially 2022 is looking stronger than ever before for most contractors I've talked to. Okay. It's going to be a, a record-breaking year for everybody, even with fuel prices, even with material uh, constraints, even with equipment constraints, even with human capital constraints. Everybody's kicking some ass right now. Most everybody has a bigger backlog than they've ever had before, but they're seeing what's going on from a macroeconomic standpoint. They're watching the news, yeah. go figure, and everybody is a little spooked right now. I think dialing everything back is going to be a good thing because there's a lot of undisciplined business right now in the dirt world because there's been so much available work. I think it's going to force companies to really focus on building a great company, treating their people effectively, building effectively, becoming profitable. I think it's going to be a good thing to dial everything back a little bit. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're just not seeing that quite yet. Everybody has record backlog. Everybody has a record year this year. Everybody's blowing and going. Uh, they're being squeezed here. They're especially fuel fuels, the big one right now, but everybody's still going. So the question is, when does it slow down for the industry? And I just, I don't know. I have mm-hmm. no idea, but that's what I'm seeing is everybody is cautious. They're still stoked on what they have in front of them. Backlog's still real strong, but at the same time, they're just wondering what is going to happen with some of the indicators that are currently some of the warning lights are flashing right now, mm-hmm. and they're like, huh, well, we're still going, but I don't know what the future looks like. I just think there's been a lot of irrationality in the construction mm-hmm. industry, and I think we do need to dial it back a little bit. It's crazy. It's insane. I feel like, I mean, there is a bit of this that is, I don't know, maybe it's counterintuitive or in that, you know, like you said, there's these record backlogs and everything directly in front of them. And I just, I mean, this has industry-wide, very broad brush looks so good and yet there's like this little thought that's kind of like digging into their brain a little bit it's like this is going to end Mm -hmm. like this will slow down in a way that we're not going to like everything's looking great right now Uh, i'll be curious to know like if if, you know we've talked a little bit about uh certainly pieces are pointing towards a recession in the future and if that's really the case and that happens you know what what does like the that like cutoff line for the industry where does that like really start if everybody's like crushing it right now is that all of a sudden dried up or is it just projects get delegated differently well, to diff- you it know? just d- depends what market you're serving too i mean yeah. government works completely different than True. private work so okay great we have all this government backlog that's going to be there uh private work we have all this you know, housing development backlog that could just disappear tomorrow. Yeah. Like COVID, I saw that. There were contractors that had to just stop everything because the housing developers were just like, yeah, we're just going to stop all work, period. And they just froze everything. 
Jeez. and contractors that were 100% dependent on home builders were just left out to dry. Now, that didn't last very long. That lasted you know, four weeks, six yeah. weeks, eight weeks at most. And then everything roared back when the housing developers realized, oh, shit, what have we done? We need to actually go faster than we were going before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just don't know. I, I've, I've, you know, I'm too young to really understand what happened in 2008, 2009, 2010. I, I didn't live through that. Yeah. A lot of the guys that are worried right now did live through that and it did crush the industry. I think there's different things happening right now. Um, but even with like the the big infrastructure bill, I talked to Dan Garcia about that. Is that really going to impact the industry? Because I was a little suspicious about it. And he was like, well, what it did was it kind of just evened things out. I thought his point was really great about that. Yeah, it was. It's not increasing it, but the industry would have shrunk due to inflation and material shortages and and increases in diesel fuel and so on and so forth. But that money replaced that shrinkage. Yeah. So we're still even. Um, so on the infrastructure, federal infrastructure side, it's like, oh, there's still money there. I mean, even like Nashville Airport through 2028, they just announced another billion and a half dollar expansion. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's, 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 I think it's going to be a really good thing over the next few years to just for the industry to get a little healthier. I just don't think the industry is very healthy right now. I don't mm-hmm. think the United States economy is very healthy right now. And I think we need to uh, reduce and, and rid of some of that irrational, irrationality, irrational spending, unlimited spending, and really focus on let's become healthier here. Yeah. And then we can go forward a lot more effectively. Mm. I'm just worried that from a workforce development standpoint, what's going to happen is what happened to the airlines, contractors, they're going to lose jobs potentially. When they do, what do contractors do? They cut costs. How do they do that? They lay people off. That's like the the go-to business model for the construction industry. Yeah. Just lay people off. It's the quickest way to re- cut costs. Um, and what's going to happen is you have an average age that's far higher than it was in 2008. Uh, you have another 15 years on top of that. Yeah, People are well within retirement age. They're not just going to leave the workforce or, or go to another industry like what happened in 2008, 2010. They're going to retire. And just leave the workforce altogether. Mm-hmm. They're never coming back. Their knowledge is gone forever. And then what happens when demand comes back? Who knows? Who knows? We're going to be in an even bigger workforce problem. Yeah, I know that much. You can look at what's happening with the airlines right now. It's, the, it's not going to be identical, but it, there's a lot of similarities. Hey, old pilots, just retire. Don't worry about it. In 2020, so they, all these old pilots go into retirement and then demand roars back. To even beyond what it was before. And they're like, we don't have enough pilots now. They don't have enough pilots. <laughs> and they, you know, there's, there's a, you know, it's even worse for pilots because there's a fixed period of time that mm. it takes and a fixed investment it takes to get someone from knowing nothing about flying to flying a commercial aircraft. But that's still the same in construction, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. There still is a fixed period of time to get someone from knowing nothing to actually producing on a job site. That's an interesting uh, parallel. But for the discipline companies, it's going to be the best hiring possible because there's going to be great people on the market. <clears throat> Thanks for, for digging into that a little bit. Um, I think... And I'm just, I honestly, I'm, I'm just guessing here. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, this is certainly a, uh, more of a, like a forecasting conversation. Just what what are the, what are people saying and what does it just sort of look like is, is really, I think, 
the point of that to me. But I've met with a lot of really successful people in the industry over the past three months, and they're all holding on to their cash. Yeah. I'll just say that. It's consistent across the board. They're holding on to their cash right mm-hmm. now, even with record high inflation. Yeah. Which says, which which points to what they're they're thinking. You know, the inflation, they'll eat that right now because the uncertainty in the future is is the greater risk. I would say maybe to, to pivot a little bit, um, or maybe even zoom in a little bit more, the, the second question Rob asked, um, I think, is uh, a, a pretty helpful piece of this conversation. He asked, do you see any changes to uh, our strategy here at BuildWit to adapt to the changes in, in this market that we serve? Yeah, I think we're f- figuring that out right now. I think our, our initial strategy was just, let's keep growing like fucking crazy. And we're, we're no, we're, we're actually not going to do that. We're actually going to focus and make a really nice, sustainable, financially sound business over the next few months so that we are in a better place when everything is a little uh, tumultuous. Yeah. And we're also asking ourselves, how do we become more valuable in a recession? Because I'm, I don't know about any, anybody else's company, but I'm not, this isn't a company that says, well, sorry, yeah, these, the economy just not good, so we can't do what we're supposed to do. It doesn't work. Yeah. Fuck that. I'm not going to just sit here and throw my hands up. Okay, great. Economy's changing. Well, it's just hard now, so <clears throat> I guess we won't do it. Yeah. Okay, economy's changing. And let's still hammer. Let's still be aggressive. Is this people problem going away? Is an economic decline changing the fundamentals of the problem we're solving? No, it's not. Is development of infrastructure in the United States going away? Because the No, it's not long term. It's not. And we've, we, we can look at some of the big... The, the, the big factors here, like I just talked about, and say, we're going to have an even worse people problem in the recovery period. I think that's our real opportunity. So if things go, when things go down, as things are going down, we need to figure out how to be even stronger so that we're still being aggressive during a downturn so that when, when we come out of a downturn, we're ready to rock and roll and seize that opportunity because there's going to be so much opportunity available. So yeah, we've done okay for ourselves. Yeah, we've grown a little bit, but Everybody's like, yeah, you've done a great job. I'm like, you have no idea. This is fucking nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm not excited about any of this. Honestly, I'm super thankful and I am excited about I know, it. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I'm living in this future of, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. There is something way bigger coming here. And I think we actually seize that opportunity on the back end of, of a period of decline. But to seize that opportunity... We need to be strong through that period of decline. So right now we're saying, how do we really get focused here instead of growing, continuing to grow aggressively, continuing to invest, use investment capital to, to grow? Let's use the investment capital we have to real fo- really focus on creating a sustainable business, shaking out our, our software, creating products that are going to be even more valuable during a downturn, and then be aggressive from a developing people standpoint, developing our culture standpoint, developing our offering standpoint so that when the market does come back, we're ready to rock and roll and seize that opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where it's really going to happen. And does it feel like that approach of actively not growing, is that more of a, a rare approach or is it from like, just from your perspective as somebody who's leading a business, when you talk to other people who are also leading businesses are, are most people consistently talking about no we just need to grow more and so does it feel like we're zagging no I th- I, we're, we're no we're growing in a different way okay we're, we're growing from just a foundational standpoint we're so we're still growing 
but it's not, we're not going to be growing headcount necessarily aggressively like we have over the past six months. We're not going to be doubling again in, in, in the next six months. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. And I could be wrong about that, but from what I see right now, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But instead we're going to be saying, how do we make our current people even more effective? How do we figure out our processes? How do we improve our products? So we're going to be growing. We're going to yeah. be aggressive. We're still going to be knocking it out of the park, but we're going to be doing it in a different way. We're going to be looking inward instead of let's just keep gobbling things up and keep hiring people and keep burning through cash because that's not sustainable. Because mm-hmm. if the music stops, we're fucked. And I've had to I've completely shift my thinking. My thinking was let's just keep sending it. Yeah. But that's not where the market is right now. We tried to do that, not where the market is. The market said, no, that's probably not the best way to go. And a lot of pe- smart people said, no, that's probably not the best way to go. So I've said, check, understood. So let's change course a little bit here and focus on what we have and make that really fucking powerful and successful mm-hmm. so that when we're ready to rock and roll again, we're ready to really rock and roll. Well, I'll say you talk to a lot of very smart people, both in this room for Dirt Talk and even more so um, just when you're going out and meeting people on job sites, meeting people, other companies, phone calls, whatever. Whether these people are like giving you direct advice or just sharing their story and you're kind of like picking the things that sound good to you or like, oh, that's interesting. I haven't thought about that in this way. When you are bringing that back to how you choose to lead BuildWit, how do you decide what like serves you and what doesn't? You have to try shit out. I don't know. It's, it's, you have to kind of just what's right, what's not. You know, maybe that is right. Try it out. Okay, hey, that is not right. Like we tried out aggressive growth. Let's go fucking nuts. I think it got us here, so it's not worth oh, a failure. We should have dialed it back yeah. a little bit. No, I'm stoked on where we're at, but then we have to be honest with ourselves going forward. Is that the best strategy? No, it's not right now. Yeah, It's not, even if we wanted it to be. It's just not with, with the current market. Okay, check. I'm not going to sit here and fucking throw my hands. Oh, bummer. So let's go in the other direction. Let's lean on all these other smart people. So what do you guys suggest? Well, I suggest this, I suggest this, I suggest this. Okay, you look at the options, you look at where we need to go, you compare that with my vision, you compare that with what I've learned. Okay, good. So I'm going to go take that information, go apply it and see if it works. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, okay, then you go on to the next one. It's just a, it's a process of trial and error. You can't know if something's right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. There's no black and white in creating anything new. That's the point of creating something new. Yeah. It's all fucking gray. So that is the world in which you have to operate. And, and there's a lot of screwing things up. There's a lot of hitting things out of the park. And there's a lot of everything in between. There's a lot of just pretty standard days, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's been plenty of either piece of advice or concepts or um, like principles that you've that have probably really resonated with you that like you'll either bring to the table and like will actually implement here at BuildWit or not even get that far. And kind of once it just starts getting kind of through the filter of whether it's just the leadership team or one one of the divisions that build it, that's like, never mind, that was not going to be it. Um, but I think where I'm very thankful and what I see a lot of value in is we're building an organization that's like, okay with, yep, like that didn't work. No problem. We'll, we'll find another solution that does. Well, we don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. And so it's just yeah. like, that's how we build this business because that's what our option is. That's it. There's, there's, if you want certainty, I tell people, go work for the federal government. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Like there's, there's no certainty in creating something new. That is the fucking, 
that that that's the definition of creating something new. You have to go into uncharted waters. That's where we're at. Yep. And it's not like uh it's not any more noble than anybody else in business. It's just the role we're playing, what the path we're we're walking, what's set out for us. Okay, great. So we're gonna go walk down this path. And um, yeah, the reality is there's just a lot of screwing things up. But the the real common theme I've heard from everybody that's done everything is just keep at it. Yeah. Just keep at it. Just keep at it. Just keep at it. Just keep at it. That's it. It's just one more like forward motion, forward motion, forward motion, forward motion. That's it. All right. Do you feel like you're somebody who is prone to just like keep trying new things, keep trying new things? Like, does that feel really natural to you? No, I don't think it's natural to anybody. I think everybody wants to go get comfortable and curl up under their rock. It's human nature not to want to. Yeah. Not to expend energy, not to try new things. I'm not, I'm a creature habit. I literally just want to eat the same fucking thing for three meals a day. Once it worked, why ever same consider play, it? Yeah, yeah, I don't want to do any of that, but that's not going to, That okay, I'm not going to fucking achieve anything I'm capable of doing that. So yeah. I have to go. I have to go try new things. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't fucking matter if I want to do it or not. It doesn't. Like that has nothing to do with it. I have to do it. So, okay, great. Like me wanting to do something, I don't want to do a lot of the shit I have to do. Seriously. A lot of the travel I have to do, I don't want to do that. But who gives a shit? That's what I have to do. Okay, cool. Then I'll do it. And it's not to say I'm miserable doing it. Yeah, you're certainly finding plenty of joy yeah, in that. But, but I'm not naturally like, oh, yes, I get to get on another airplane. This is going to be awesome. It doesn't work that way. But, and it's not to say I'm not grateful for it. But at the same time, that's what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Me as an individual to go accomplish everything I want to go accomplish and be all that I can be. And that's where every other individual needs to do too. And it looks different for fucking everybody. Yeah. One thing that surprised me about you as before I had gotten to know you a lot better, I just assumed you're like a road dog. You know, it's like, I got to get out there. I got to be hitting the road because you were spending so much time traveling. I thought that was just like, you're the kind of person who just wants to do that all the time. Complete opposite. Yeah. Of my and that, that really, really surprised me. But it, but it goes back to, well, this is what we have to do. Like, this is what this requires. Yes. I, there's a higher purpose. I'm here to make the damn dirt world a better place. I see a clear path on how I need to do that. And there's certain things I need to do. I need to go bust my ass to go make that happen. Okay, great. It, once you have that, that higher purpose, that ultimate, that, that, that motivator, or that, that I don't know, then, then you're not relying, like I was reading Cameron Haynes, then you're not relying on if you want to do something or not. Because if you're just relying on if you want to do something or not, you're not going to do anything. There's a lot of days where you don't want to do it. But mm -hmm. if there's that higher purpose for whatever it is, it's like, oh, well, it doesn't matter if I want to do it or not. That's where I'm going. Yeah. So let's just keep at it. Thanks for digging into these. Uh, I would say thanks to Rob for sending those in. Um, I got that email from him this week, and it, I, I just been, I've been thinking about it for a couple of days. And so I definitely wanted to bring it to you because it. You know, there there really are two separate parts of that question. You know, what are our partners saying? What are the companies we're talking to saying? And how does like, if the market goes the way that it sounds like it might, how does that affect what we do? Um, so I appreciate you kind of thinking about those and, and discussing them in those two kind of separate ways. Well, and we have to adjust, but at the same time, and it's it goes to a lot of stuff Jocko says, don't let the situation dictate to you. You dictate the situation. We're not a company that's just going to say, yeah, sorry, you know. Just not that's how the wind's blowing. Yeah, we're we're just gonna go wherever the wind blows us. Yeah. Okay, that's a recipe to do fucking nothing. And you might be able to have a business, but that's not our business. That's not gonna work for us. Yeah. So we're just gonna have to sit there and say, hey, 
check. All right, cool. Conditions have changed. So what do we need to do to change accordingly? That's it. And it's probably going to happen a lot. There's going to be a lot more change coming than there has been. Uh, but that's okay because we're going to get to a really phenomenal place. Yeah. And it'll all be more than worth it. Well, I'm excited. I appreciate it. Uh, I think that's a podcast. That is a podcast. Thanks for the questions. If you have more questions, send it to dirttalkbuild.com. Check out the vlog on YouTube. We are full bore on good the vlog. stuff out there. Some super good stuff. And, and it's exciting to see what the guys are putting together, documenting where we've been over the past few months. Yeah. So check that out. And we will see you on the next one. Stay dirty, everybody. Thank you.